You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Uh, It's my joy this morning to introduce our speaker. Uh, John and Eleanor Mumford have been with us all weekend for our Holy Spirit Conference. It's been a remarkable weekend. Lots of people have been here uh, and just met Jesus and met by his spirit in all kinds of amazing ways. John and Eleanor are the uh, international coordinators of our vineyard family. They lead the team that leads the vineyard globally. And and, uh, so it's crazy that they would come all the way to Aberdeen uh, uh, you know, to our, our little church tucked away in the northeast of Scotland, but we're so grateful that they have. And John Mumford is going to speak to us this morning. So over to you, John. Bless you. Bless you. No, I've got this. Oh, you've got that. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Thank you very, very much for having, putting up with us for the weekend. We've had a wonderful, we are having a wonderful time. Um, and it is a pleasure and indeed an honor to be here. Um, if you have a Bible at hand, or a digital device that has a Bible on it, would you like to turn to Paul's second letter to Timothy? To Timothy. The easiest way to find it, if you get lost, is to Google it, or to um, look at the, go to the maps at the back and then work forward. And probably the pundits think that this was the last letter that Paul wrote that was, as it were, captured in the New Testament. It may seem a little bizarre to you, but for some years I have been collecting so-called famous last words the things that people have, are reported to have said before they died, the last thing they were reported to have said before they died. There was one, Luther Burbank, in 1926, announced to everybody in the room, I don't feel good, and then he died. Um, or John Maynard Keynes, the economist, I wish I had drunk more champagne, and then died. Or Oscar Wilde, you know, who was, had been lying in his bedroom in a coma for a number of days. And then <laughs> suddenly he sat bolt upright, came out of the coma, sat bolt upright, looked around and said, either this wallpaper goes or I do. <laughs> and he collapsed and died. <laughs> uh, I think my, my favorite is a man called John Bradford who was burned at the stake for his faith on the 1st of July, 1555, in London. And he said, we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night, as he was consumed by the flames. Well, you say, what has that got, earth has got that got to do with anything? And the quick answer is nothing except that this to Timothy letter is in effect Paul's famous last words. It was the last thing he's writing to young Timothy, who was leading the church in Ephesus. And by then, he was a 
he was a seasoned old servant of Jesus. He'd been following Jesus for decades by then. He'd seen it all. He'd done it all. He got every T-shirt that was available. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he was, he's well worth listening to an old sage like that writing to younger Timothy. And, and in many respects, this thing we call the vineyard, this cluster of churches, indeed, as Chuck said, around the world. Uh, I was laughing at the, during the conference. In our brothers and sisters in the vineyard in Scandinavia, I find it very difficult to pronounce certain letters in the English alphabet. And they talk about the, not the vineyard, they talk about the vineyard. <laughs> So, of course, we mock them, don't we? But they talk about the, not the vision and values of the vineyard. They talk about the, the vision and the values of the vineyard. And um, talking, people of, like us who share the vision and values of the vineyard. Uh, uh, relatively speaking, in the span of church history, we're a bit like the church in Ephesus. We're fairly new kids on the block. So it's worth listening to what Paul has to say. So, if you... Never mind, it's on the... 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son. Paul loved Timothy dearly. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith. Do you, do you notice how, num just let me pause, hit the pause button for a second. Do you notice how he uses the words uh, remember, uh, remind, I recall, and then remember? In, uh, uh, I am reminded. I was saying to them during the conference, Paul was understood human beings and realized that sometimes we forget things. Things just sort of drift off our screen, our radar. So he's, so we need to be reminded. He says, remember, recall, remember. And uh, so that's what really what I'm doing this morning, just Gently jogging your memory from the scriptures. Recalling your tears, I long to see you. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm persuaded lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-control. And then just jump, will you, to chapter 2 and the first two verses. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you, Timothy, have heard me, Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men and women who will also be qualified to teach others. Oh, thank you. you have got, you've got the text up there. Excellent. Uh, uh, we, I flew up here on Friday evening from London, and we fly back uh, this afternoon. If you've, if you've been to Heathrow Airport, the main London airport, any, in the last 
four or five years, you may have noticed that right in the center of the airfield, by terminals one, two, and three, there's a huge new control tower. It's on the top, there's a huge uh, concrete column, and then this bright red thing sits on the top. And if your aircraft has ever taxied near to it, you, and you can see it close up, it all, not only does it has this concrete pillar on which it sits, but also on three sides it had huge um, wire cables anchoring it to the ground. So if in a high wind, it's not going to topple over. So in other words, those cables are there to keep the thing stable and upright and, and, and strong. And what Paul is doing in this, in this just in these few um, sentences I've read from his letter, what Paul is really doing is, in a sense, if you think of those three cables, Paul is giving them um, a, a sense of, by facing in three different directions, which I'll show you in a minute, he's, he's wanting to stabilize and strengthen the church in Ephesus. And so it's like he takes these three cables to further strengthen it. And the, it, it, what he does is he focuses in three directions. He looks to the past, he looks to the present, and he looks to the future. Past, present, and future is what, is what he is saying. If you think about those things, that'll bring stability and strength, like the cables of the control tower. So first of all, he looks to the past. Paul reminds Timothy of past blessing. Can you put up, can you put up verse, verses 3 and 5 again? Um, I thank my God whom I serve as my forefathers with a clear conscience. I constantly remember you and my brothers, recalling you to I long to see you be, may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your So he's looking to the, the, to the past. And he's saying, let me just remind you of what God has done with you in the past. And I want to do that just for a few minutes this morning. Where you are, and it's not insignificant, I think, that this new landmark you're, and the building just off George Street, was it, you say? This new building. I mean, if you just stand back and look and see what God has done. Um, Chuck and Taryn have been here since 2008, they tell me, so for the past 14 years under their leadership. Before that, um, I believe you were the city church, and once upon a time, there was a leader here by the name of Gordon Shun, who I, I knew a little bit. He was a lovely, lovely man. But just go back, so that, I think the church began in the 1980s, is that right? So think of what God has done here in this church, not in this building, but in this community of followers of Jesus uh, over, the, over the decades. I mean, think of the thousands of people who've come into your doors, both in this site. Oh, by the way, hi, the rest of you in the other, the other venues. Hi, I'm so sorry, I should have said it earlier. But think of the people, the thousands of people you welcomed. You must have served hundreds of thousands of cups of coffee. And the way that God has blessed them. And think of the dozens and dozens and dozens of people over the decades you've introduced to Jesus. 
who would not be on their way, on, on their path to life with Jesus, both now and into eternity, had it not been for you welcoming them and sharing Jesus with them. Think of the people who come in these doors who you've cared for, you've loved, you've welcomed into your groups or your training classes or whatever you, however you interact with them, certainly on Sundays as well. And you've just been kind and hospitable like you've been to us. People, we came in on a Friday or a Saturday. I came in on Saturday and we had the first clue of who I was. They just couldn't have been nicer. And they had placards out with one or two sentences or phases on them. I hadn't a clue what they meant, but they were obviously being friendly. <laughs> they might as well have held them upside down, and one person did, but that doesn't matter. The point is, it's your instinct, is your, what you're saying non-verbally is, we're expecting you, and we're delighted you're here. That's what you're saying. And that's what you're communicating non-verbally. And it's a wonder, the Bible calls it the gift of hospitality. It's a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Think of the people you've counseled. Think of the poor, the, those who are undernourished, you've given food. Think of those you've, you, who've, um, haven't got appropriate clothing and you've managed to you give them clothing. Just in one way or another, you've loved and served thousands and thousands of people. Now you say, well, John, what are you doing? Are you trying to flatter us? No, honestly, I'm not. I promise you. My um, Eleanor had a sister who sadly died now, but she years ago she lived in Cymru, in you know near near what's the Loch Lochern, and she had a car that was hopelessly unreliable. It's always breaking down. So the, needless to say, the family nicknamed it Flattery, because Flattery never got her anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not trying to flatter you. But I am reminding you, inviting you to recall, to remember what God has done. Past blessings. Uh, May I also say that um, one of the blessings that God has given you in this church is not only the people, but also the gang or the rabble of leaders that you have. It's quite clear from the Bible that leaders are a gift. And many, many of you are leaders, even if you don't describe yourself as that. But this is a gift that God has given. And not, to, not, not least, these two reprobates, <laughs> Jack and Taryn. Again, I can say this because you probably have no way of measuring it. But just from the, the sort of lens that I look through, which is both the vineyard nationally in the UK and Ireland, but also in internationally, I mean, I just know, I can't help hearing people talk about them, and what a blessing they have been to the vineyard in the UK and Ireland, and what a blessing they have been already internationally. And again, I didn't say that to flatter them. I just, I tell you this because it is the truth, but you may have no way of measuring it. So they do wonderful work and ministry here, and it extends beyond that. You, I'm sure you know that, but I'm just telling you it deeply appreciated and they're deeply loved and respected so thank you for as it were lending them to us from time to time Paul looks back past blessings Paul then looks uh, Paul then looks to the, to the to the present past blessings present realities 
um, if you were to look at, and I began, this is just a sort of refresher course for those of you who didn't manage to make the conference. I talked about present realities, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7. Paul saying, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So he's looked to the past. Now he's saying regarding the present. Yes, God, may have part, God has part, blessed you wonderfully in the past. But in one sense, that's great, but it's no good for today. Do you see? And what Paul is saying, the past is wonderful, but what about the present and what about the future? And he's saying in the present, as we have done in the past, in the present, we need constantly to be filled and ignited by the Holy Spirit day in, day out, even today. And one of the things that does also is, for those of you who are sitting here, well, I've, I'm not, I've only been here for six weeks, or maybe six minutes. You know, I've only just started to hang around, and I'm not even sure whether this lots of the lunatic fringe of these vineyard people. I don't know. I mean, huh. you're still sussing it out and smelling and sniffing around. When it comes to present realities... There's the distinction between those who've been here for a long time and those who've been here for eight minutes becomes irrelevant. This is for all of us, all of you. Whether you've been around for eight minutes or 800 years, this is for all of us. Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God. In other words, the present by which he means the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fan it into flames. And I was saying, so, but, you know, think of a cold winter's day and you've got a fireplace and you've shoved some logs on it and you go off and make a cup of coffee and scramble an egg. You come back in and the thing is just down, you know, it's just all sort of petered out a bit, do you know what I mean? It's glowing, but it's, so what do you do? You throw some more logs on and then you, they were t- what are those things, bellows, I think they call them. You blow, so that thing fans into flame. And what Paul is saying here, you, you and I need to do that. Frequently, fan into flame the gift of God. And sometimes it does die down. And, I, uh, do you know, the, the, the fact is, we can go to God and say, Lord, please, will you, will you set me on fire again today? You did yesterday, that's marvelous, but now will you do the same today? Will you blow on me so the gift of God is fanned into flames in my life Lord set me on fire today we, we can call out to God for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit you know you tomorrow morning you're off to the office or you're off to the library if you're a student or you're off to your clinic if you're a medic or you're off to your uh, workshop if you're a craftsman and a carpenter or metal worker or you're off to the city council headquarters because you you know you drive the lorries for the council or 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 you say lord as i go to work today you roll out of bed you say, you're off to work today. You grab a cup of coffee. It's the last thing you do before you wake up. 
And then you said, Lord, set me on fire today. May, I, may the beauty of Jesus, the attractiveness of Jesus, the wonderfulness of Jesus just be... May I be conscious of it and may people, as I bump into them, may some of it, just a bit of it, spill out on them. We can do that. Such that people will begin to ask questions. Oh, you're a, what is it? You're a little bit different. What's the matter with you? Oh, well, I went to this funny church thing over the weekend and this, there was this weird guy from England who came and spoke and talked about the Holy Spirit and how much God loves us. And truth is that we couldn't do... I, I couldn't do... And nor could you. There's nothing more I could do for God to love me more. And there's nothing I can do that would ever make God love me less. Jesus is really... You know, that sort of thing just spills out of you. Set me on fire with your Holy Spirit. For this reason, I fan into flame the gift of God. Okay? So we look to the past. We've looked at the present, today, and then again tomorrow when you wake up. And then put... Thirdly, Paul looks to the future. And this is where in chapter, and I'll, I'll finish with this, so don't worry, don't, don't be anxious. This is, this is like going to the dentist, you know, you think you're going for a root canal and all you get is a polish. Do you know what I mean? And you thought you were in for a root canal from me this morning without an anesthetic. And in fact, you're just getting a gentle little polish and then you're going to have more coffee. Paul, past, present, future. Look in chapter 2 and verse 2. Paul says, and you, you just, is it up here? Yeah, there we go, number two up there. Do you see? The things, now he's writing to Timothy, right? Paul is writing to Timothy. So the, the things you, you have heard me, Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust. Okay, so what you've heard me, what Timothy, Tim, what you've heard me, Paul, say to you, Timothy, I want you now to entrust it to reliable people who will, what's it say? Be qualified to teach others. Do you get it? So if just in that one sentence, Paul is talking about four generations, is he not? Paul himself, generation one. Timothy, generation two. Uh, um, reliable people, generation three. Others, generation four. Yes? You give me that? Yeah. Well, how long's a generation? I mean, will you... Let's have an auction. Will you give me... Will you give me 25 years? Okay. Any, am I being 30 years? 30 years? 30 years? Anybody going to 30? 30, 30, 35, 35, 35. 40, 40, 40, 40. Do you, do you see what I mean? However long you... Let, just give me 20, just for the sake of argument, a generation of 25 years. Paul is looking forward 100 years. Yes? And that's what he's encouraging you to do. That's why the today is so significant. Because you're not resting back on your laurels and thought, well, we've done a great job. Oh, catalyst. Now we can put our feet up. No, no, you're not doing anything of the sort. You're saying, what's next, Lord? And long after we've all shuffled off to glory, the, um, the Salvation Army call it promoted to glory. Don't you love it? You don't die. You don't fall asleep. You don't pass away. You get promoted 
to glory. Once we've all shuffled off and been promoted, we'll leave behind generations of men and women like us who love Jesus and serve Jesus flat out like you have. And that's what this church, do you see why Paul is so brilliant in the way he's, he doesn't dismiss the past as, oh, that's irrelevant. He doesn't obsess with the future, so we're so blinkered. But he's not so focused on the future, he's not focused on you today. This is a beautiful way of talking, a way of understanding the way the church grows strong and stable and advances. So who knows? I mean, the truth is you don't have a clue what God is going to do here in Scotland. None of us know. Do it. But just think. Just think. You're sitting here, and in five years' time, there are 15 of these buildings around this Aberdeenshire Shire city area. Wouldn't that be fantastic? People stumbling into the kingdom at a rate of knots. And then there's D side. Yes, and then there's Dundee. And Ellen and I met at St. Andrews. They could do with some help from you. And then there's Glasgow and Edinburgh. You know, where's God in, in, in Venice? And, you know, where's God going to take you? You have no idea. Nor had Paul any idea. Timothy had any idea. future blessings, future advances of the kingdom of God because today you've been faithful in your servants of Jesus our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah, that wasn't too bad, was it? Yeah, there you go. The polish has ended. Now you can spit into that thing there and go. Rinse your mouth out with a pink, you know, sort of diluted Ribena. It tastes like Dettol, and then you can... So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this church. Thank you for every single man and woman and child in it, in this room and in all the other rooms across the... Uh, I'm speaking to via the Internet. Lord, bless every single one here. Fill us again, Lord. Set us on fire with your most precious Holy Spirit, that he may lord and magnify our precious, precious Savior, gave himself for us that we might live. Lord, will you bring lots and lots of people to us who are searching, though they may not know it, and are looking for the Savior of the world. They may come in our doors here and move from darkness to life from darkness to light from death to life bless bless us lord bless this the, this latest project provide the money that we need and the resources and the people and the permissions and all the legals all of that lord we ask it in the precious name of the lord we love and serve